0: Um it's kind of funny, I worked really hard on getting a, an offering sermon. I, I and I should have listened to my wife. How many times that's happened to me? I should have listened to my wife. She said, I think Pastor Diana's got it tomorrow. She'll have some Well, I don't even know if she's gonna be there. So I worked I worked up a message and it was tough and you know, that's that's my easiest subject when it comes to, to that sort of thing. But but anyway. Thank you, Pastor Diana, for being here. When I looked over and seen your chair, I was like, oh, my God, Pastor Diana's not here. So I always love it when you're here. I appreciate you and uh, appreciate what you said today. Appreciate the clarification on some things. And uh, we're just believing for great things for Pastor Jessica. I was praying for her in the back room today, and that's what I kept praying, peace. Peace of God. Hallelujah. So we thank you, Father, for that peace. Hallelujah. But, you know, if you would turn to Jeremiah 29, 11, um, you know, God's given us dominion. Yes. And we're talking about the authority of the believer today in a, in, a, in a roundabout sort of way. But, you know, God has given us dominion. And I listened to Brother Sean preach last Sunday, and I don't know how many times he used the word choices. And, and of course, that's, that's another subject that I like. I like making good choices. And uh, that's what I was you know, thinking about speaking to you today about choices, making good choices, and, and um, about nine o'clock last night, God kind of changed it up on me, and I right. had had to go a different route, but we'll, we'll probably get into some of that today, because making, making good choices are so important, and uh, man, I enjoyed you last week, Brother Sean, what a, what a message, you know, I think there's a book in that somewhere, I don't know if God <laughs> spoke to you about that or not, but you know. Maybe it's just not time yet, but I think they're, they're, you have got so much revelation, and that, that needs to be on in print where we can all read that and remind ourselves of those things. Praise be to God. But Jeremiah 29, 11, this is what Dr. Jacobs would call a refrigerator scripture. I think it's been on my refrigerator before, and, and it gets on all the Hallmark cards, and you see this scripture everywhere. But... Uh, it's actually got some meat in it, and I want to, I want to talk about it a little bit. Yes. Um, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven says, "For I know the thoughts that I think toward you," says the Lord, "thoughts of peace and not evil, to give you a future and a hope." And uh, I just I just like to to tell you today that God loves you, yes, and there's so many of us that seem to have a hard time receiving that, but God loves you, and. Uh, You, individual, as a person. God loves you. And God has a plan for your life. God has a great plan for your life. It's a good plan. If God says it's a good plan, it's a good plan. And if he says it's a plan of peace, then it's a plan of peace. If he says there's no evil in it, then there's no evil in it. Praise God. It's a plan. It's a good plan. A good plan. Hallelujah. And, uh, you know, I I talked with brother ronnie about this last week you know your your concept of god is so important and uh i always seen god as a great corrector and i always thought he was trying to straighten me out you know and it's taken me years to get that kind of a thinking out of of me you know to where i don't always look like god's out to get me god's out to punish me god's out to he he doesn't think that way god thinks peace toward you and uh you know, if you, if you don't have a right concept of God, it makes it hard to receive His plan for you. It, it makes it hard to even rightly divide the Word. It makes it hard to receive the good things that are in the Word. So it's so important to have a right concept of God. And, and if you get a right concept of God, it makes it so much easier to receive the instruction. It's just like receiving instruction from a parent. If the, if the child knows the parent really, really loves them, And it's easier to receive it. And uh, it's easier to trust God. It's easier to trust God when you have the right concept of him. And, uh, you know, God's not the great corrector. And God's not out to punish you for your mistakes. You know, so, so, you know, understand today that God loves you. Understand that today. Decide that you're going to embrace that. I'm talking about decisions. So decide you're going to embrace that today that God loves you. Make it first say, God loves me. Go ahead and say it. God loves me. me. Hallelujah, because He does. It's so important that you understand that. I think about scriptures, you know, where it says God knows all the number of hairs on your head. I got up and took a shower today, and probably most of you did too. You might have lost a couple of hairs. God knows. I mean, think about that. He knows. If you lost a couple of hairs this morning, praise God, he, he, he knows. He knows you intimately. He cares about you on that kind of level. Hallelujah. Jeremiah once said that, you know, it, it, he knew you before you were even born, while you were in the womb. He knew you. cares about you. I, I like this verse, Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrates his own love toward us, And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were yet sinners, that that, that just explains God's love to me. That helps me to understand. It says His love toward us, so it's to you. It's toward you. Make that personal, that it's to you. So uh, you could say today that God loves you, mistakes and all. Mistakes and all. Still loves you. Man, that's good news, isn't it? Yeah. Mistakes and all. God loves you. You know, it comforts me to realize that God didn't wait for me to get it all together before he loved me. You know, he just wasn't waiting for me to get it because I I approached God like that. I wouldn't come to church because I felt like I wasn't good enough. I, I didn't I did want to do anything that was spiritual because I didn't feel like I qualified. I didn't feel good enough. But God loves you. And he has qualified you through his son. Malibu. That's what it says. That While we were yet sinners, Jesus came and died for you and qualified you. Praise be to God. Yes. To God's love. God doesn't just have love. God is love. Yes. And he loves you today. So I understand that today that God loves you And uh, God, love has a great plan for your future a great plan for your future praise be to God you know his plan is better than your plan I've tried to plan it all out before and and, uh, it it never works out falls apart, fails, comes up short however you want to say it but God's plan is good and it's better than your plan praise be to God Now, on on the other side of God having a plan for you, you have to realize this, that the devil's got a full-time job. He's defeated, but he's still here, and he's got a full-time job of distorting. It's a distortion of your view of God. It's a distortion to make you see God some other way other than the God of love. Um, He's always trying to make the word of God look like it's untrue. He's always trying to make the word a good, lie. it would be untrue for you. Yes. Somebody else might get it, but you won't. Yes. It's not going to work for you. And that, that's, that's his full-time job, and he uses lies and deceptions. And he, he's the liar. He's the father of lies, and he doesn't have any truth in him. He don't ever tell you the truth. If you hear him say something, it's a lie, you know. Come on. Uh, Definitely. Come and, uh, on. you know, that's what he did to Eve way back in the garden. See, there's, there's, there's where you can really see it, how he works. What, what, what did he say? He, he, he twisted what God said. Yes. did God really say? See, that, he implanted doubt immediately. That's why he's coming. Doubt God. God lied. And that's what he does to you today. He's always trying to tell you that God's word isn't true. He's trying to tell you that God lies. He's trying to tell you that God isn't who God says he is. He's trying to tell you that you aren't who God says you are. It's, it's just the way he works. He doesn't really come out and just straight out call God a liar, but he implies it. Did God really say? Is that the way it really is? You know? It's 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 deception. But God did not lie. You know, he told them if you eat that fruit, you're gonna die, and they did die. Now they didn't die physically, but they died spiritually. It turned out just like God said, God didn't lie. And and if God says he's gonna give you a hope in the future, he's not lying. He's telling the truth. And uh, don't, don't allow the devil to twist what God says. Um, hallelujah. Let's look at it again. Um, Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace, not evil, to give you a future and a hope. See, God's saying, I know the thoughts that I have toward you. It's almost like saying, don't be trying to tell me my thoughts toward you. That's what, that's what that sounds like that's saying to me. It's like you're almost arguing with him. Don't be trying to tell me how I think. I know how I think about you. This is the way I think about you. And he's also saying, you know, don't listen to the devil because all that twisted stuff you're getting is it, coming from him. He's the one trying to make it look untrue. He's the one trying to implant doubt in you. He's the one implying that God didn't mean what God said. But God did mean what He said. Yes. He said, I have thoughts of peace toward you. I have thoughts of peace toward you. That word, peace in the Hebrew, is shalom. We've heard a lot about that word, but it means, you know, safe, well, happy, health, prosperity, nothing missing, nothing broken. Praise be to God. See, that's what God has toward you, and that's what God wants for your future. The will of God for your life is a good future. Yes. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. I hope everybody got that. Amen. The will of God for you. Yes. The will of God for your future. <laughs> it's good. Yes. And it's full of peace. And it, it has no evil in it. And it, it, it's just, I not that word peace, Just doesn't that just stand out? We're living in a world that's just not very peaceful. There's turmoil everywhere. I can't hardly comprehend the political turmoil. I mean, I get on Facebook and I'm like, "Oh my God!" I just like I get, you know I you know believe me, I'm not going to get on and argue with you about politics. It's just it's just too far out there for me to get involved. I'm not I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to be concentrating on the Word of God and concentrating on God's plan for my life and fulfilling it. Praise be to God. Hallelujah. So go to, go to Deuteronomy 30, and uh, we're going to read a couple of verses here. But you know, God has a plan for your life, but we've got to make good decisions to stay in the plan. we got to make good decisions to stay in the plan. God desires to give you a, a, a hope and a future. And how do you get into it? How do you get into the plan? Well, you're going to have to make good decisions. So let's read, uh, let's read a couple of verses here. Deuteronomy 30, 19, and 20 it says, I call heaven and earth as a witness today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live, that you may love the Lord your God and you may obey his voice. And... uh and that you may cling to him, for he is your life and your length of days. I won't read the rest of it. That's probably enough. Praise be to God. But, you know, every day we make choices. Every day we make decisions. Uh, some are more important than others. Some have greater magnitude on, on, on you than others. They're just more important. Come on. All choices have consequences. Yes. Yes. All of them have consequences. Um. I wrote. I wrote a young man a letter once, and in, in that letter, I talked about. Actually, I got part of it wrote out here that I'm going to read to you. But, um, you know, there's so many choices that get made between the ages of 15 and 25 or 30. So this is this is my young person part of the message, and uh, it, it, it's, it's really so important that you make so many decisions, um, and it starts out with who you run with. And finally you get old enough to where you just start deciding who you're going to run with. And uh, it's, a, it's a tough time. I remember being a young man trying to figure out who I was going to run with, and I got unaccepted in a lot of places I wanted to go, the cliques I wanted to be in. They wouldn't accept me, so I'd go down to the next one, try to fit in here. and go down there. You know where I ended up fitting in? With all the misfits. That's where I ended up being. <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, my God, I can't hardly... Explain to you how much that cost me in life, of running around with all the people that couldn't fit anywhere, and they would do anything to get accepted. They would do anything to be part. Pop- they just do. And my goodness, that I had I done things that I knew was wrong. I I totally run over my own conscience, and uh, you know, and, and uh, took everything that came along. Everything they dared me to do, I did drink everything I could find to drink, smoked everything. I did all the drugs that was available. Thank God it wasn't available like it is today. I'd have been in some serious trouble, you know, really. And, uh, you know, so these things are just so important. Who you run with, your education, your occupation, who you marry. See, all these things, between about 12, 15, you can 25, 30. I don't know where you start and cap it. Be a little different for different people, I assume. But here, here's what I had in that letter that I wrote that young man. It says, "Between the ages of 12 and 30, you'll make decisions that determine what you do in life: education, career, spouse, etc. Then, between the ages of 30 50, you're going to spend a lot of time doing what you chose in those early decisions. You're going to be stuck with who you marry. You know, you're you're in there you're in there every day with them. What you what you get educated in and the job." That you take your career choices that you make, you're going to be doing it for a long time. A long time. And, uh, you know, I think uh, I put down there between 30 and 50, you're going to spend a lot of time doing what you have chosen to do. You're setting yourself up for life, and it's so important. Then I put between the ages of 50 to 70, or maybe even 90, depending on how long you live. I personally plan on living a long time. Don't let God talk you out or don't let the devil talk you out of spending a long time on the earth. I know I got to be, well, I turned 60 this year and I begin to realize he starts talking to you. And you just, don't let him talk you out of staying a long time. Fulfill your plan. God has a plan and a future for your life. Fulfill it. Make a decision. I'm going to fulfill the plan of God for my life. I want to stay as long as I want to. Praise be to God. Hallelujah. But, you know, between 50, 70, 90, it's when you impart to others the expertise of what you've been doing between 30 and 50. You start imparting things. You start teaching. And, uh, you know, all that had to do with the choices you made when you were young. So it, it, when you get to be older... You realize that you're going to impart to people and if you made all the wrong choices during your life what are you going to impart all the wrong stuff you don't have anything good to impart but see if you make some right choices then you can have some good impartations and you can bless people as you get older and uh, that was in that letter and I thought wow what a good word for young people might may they all take hold of that the importance of what they do when you're young and the decisions you make and uh, there's good. There's a lot of good young people in this church, and a lot of them making really great decisions. So I'm, yes. I'm proud of you, yes. and uh, don't mess it up like I did. I mean, you know, when you think about a guy, you know, turned 21. Instead of wanting to run down to the bar and get drunk with everybody like a lot of 21 year olds, I was trying to figure out how to stay out of the bar. I'd already become an alcoholic, drinking every day while I was in high school. You say, how do you do that? So I don't know, but somehow or another I was doing it. And, uh, you know, it messed my life all up. And I, I had all these fear issues, and, diff- and I used alcohol like a crutch, and it, it jacked my life all around, messed me all up. Bad decisions, hanging around the wrong people, doing the wrong things. And uh, I always wanted to be an engineer. I wanted to get an education. Didn't do it. Never did get it done. Ended up getting married and raising kids and, and you know, all just bad decisions. Yeah, and I paid a price for them. I really did Thank God that I met Dr. Jacobs and he began to teach me word. You know, I'm 27. Okay, all of a sudden I'm going to start making some good choices now. And uh, God's been very good to me. Despite all my mess ups, I've, I've got a really good life. Got good kids, got great grandchildren and a good life. God's blessing me. Hallelujah. Praise God. Got a new truck coming. Hallelujah. I'm serious. I'll be in it probably next week. Hallelujah. It's not brand new, but it's funny. Once again, I should listen to my wife. It's interesting. Uh, You know, we would would start to believe God for a vehicle, and we'd put in a couple lots and looked and kicked around trying to figure out what we want. And about two weeks ago, my wife said, Your truck's awful. It's disgusting. (laughs) You need to get a new truck. I said, Okay, so I turn it up a notch, you know, and then I get an email. I get an email from somebody that says, hey, I got this certain certain truck. Here's what it books for, and, da, 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 and, and here's what I'll sell it to you for. Wow. I was like, wow, yeah, yeah. <laughs> below, <That's> God. Way below, <laughs> way below what a dealer. And it's nice. I really like it, and it's got everything. I wrote a list once of what I'd want. It's got them all, and all then right. some. Praise God. <laughs> so." Uh, and uh, it'll, it'll be paid for when I drive it up here. And that's, that's the, the thing that I want. I like, I like paid-for vehicles. I really do. So praise God. It's, it's like five years old, so it's got a few years on it. but It's in great shape. And, uh, so God's blessing me. Had to listen to my wife to get it. You know, it's always like that. When it, when it seems like when God wants to prosper me, my wife gets a hold of it. <laughs> you know, First. You know, and, uh, you know, I mean, when we lived in that little old house over on the creek bank, you know, and my wife comes home, when I found our house, well, she was right. It was our house. She'd found it, and uh, God got us in it, you know, and then the house that we're living in now, you know, we were looking for a house, and, and, and uh, I don't think Tim and Kelly are here today. They were helping us look for a house, and, uh, you know, we started working on that out, making offers, and all of a sudden, phew, I totally checked out. I couldn't hear God. I couldn't figure out what I wanted to do. I couldn't make a decision, you know. And I just let my wife run with it, you know. And uh, and she got the house that she wanted. Praise God. She had a she had a long list of stuff that she wanted. About 15 things, you know. I mean, you know, swim pool, French doors, walk-in closet. You know, everything that she wrote, she got them all. Hallelujah. I wanted a three-car garage, and I didn't get it. But. <laughs> Every, I did, I checked out but that's but okay because that house has been really good for us it's been very convenient my work, her work, this church and that's why we moved anyway we wanted to get closer to church but uh, it's good to listen to your wife and it's good to have a wife that's in tune with the spirit I mean she probably don't study the word but like I do but she knows the Holy Ghost she knows the voice of God and she knows how to follow after God and it does me well to listen to her praise mm-hmm. God so where am I at? I have no idea. <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. But, uh, you know, these these decisions and i the things that I'm talking about here for young people are so important. And, uh, the other thing that's so important is where you go to church. And then more important than that is who your man of God is. Or your woman of God. So, so important. And, uh, changed my life meeting Dr. Jacobs. I'm telling you, it really, really did. And uh, um, he, he had in him the things I needed. And that's, that's the way the plan of God works. He knows all about you, and he knows all about that man of God, and he knows who to hook to a man of God. Not everybody's going to fit, you know, but he knows you're fit. And he knows where you need to connect. And uh, that was a divine connection for me. A divine connection for me. It changed my life. changed the course of my life. You know, in Deuteronomy thirty nineteen, there says, you know, that both you and your children may live. Well, when I met Dr. Jacobs, my, my wife had already told me I want a divorce. And uh, things were going that way, you know. And uh, meeting my man to God calls us to make decisions that, man, did it ever affect my children. Did it ever affect my church? I hadn't been in the church very long. You know, it was, I don't know, I went to that Bible study with Dr. Jacobs in January or February, something in the church started in April. When the church started, we were there. And, uh, you know, that's when God spoke to me not long after that. I said, Father, what are you doing in my life? Everything's changing around. And he says, Because I want to use your children. And uh, what, a, what a precious thing. He said, It never would have happened. If I hadn't met my man of God, I, I would have been divorced. I mean, Sonny had a hard enough time growing up as it was. You could imagine if we'd have been divorced. I, I don't know if you've seen that pattern or not, but when you see children of divorced parents, it messes them up. And, make, and, and they usually make some bad decisions because of that. It just, it just works out that way. That's why God hates it. But it just works out that way. And I'm so thankful that I made good decisions, and I'm so thankful that I met my man of God and helped me make those kind of decisions that affected my children. What a blessing. Yes. What a blessing. Then I look at my grandkids. What a blessing. I mean, tell you, I love my grandkids. Had no idea it would be like that. People told me, yeah, you'll you'll love them grandkids. Had no idea, you know. You just head over heel in love with my grandkids. Don't don't want to see much of anybody else. Just want to see them. <laughs> want to hang out with them, you know. And... Uh, Thoroughly enjoy everything I do with them. And, uh, you know, after, after a couple of days, I'm glad they get to go home. <laughs> it's, uh, it's just too much fun. Let me put it that way. <laughs> Hallelujah. But uh, the absolute most important thing you can do, the important decision you're going to make, is to choose life. This is God set before you life and death choose life. The absolute most important decision. So important that you choose life. So important. You know, in in the time that we live and I I think about being in this new covenant, you know, that you have to choose Jesus. He is life. He's the only way under the Father. So if you're going to if you're going to choose life, you're going to have to choose Jesus. Basically, you're going to have to get born again. You're going to have to receive that God kind of life. And, he, and there's no way under the Father except through Him. So if you're going to choose life, you're going to have to choose Jesus, and you're going to have to get born again. so important to get born again. Born into the kingdom of God, and it's based not on what you do, but on what He did. And, and you, you have to get that. You have to get that. He takes you mistakes and all. Mistakes and all. And then, you know, once you get born again, though, you, you, there's choices in life every day. Choices in life. You have to make good decisions. And uh, it's set before you. It's set before you every day. Life and death is there, and you got to choose. And every, cho- every choice you have has a direction of death to it or a direction of life to it, and you have to choose. Amen. And uh, I was really planning on talking about how to, how to make those decisions, uh, and I may get into some of it. I've, I've actually used quite a bit of time just getting to this point. But um, the thing where God really changed me up is, is he took me from there to Proverbs 18.21. So if you would, would go there, and we're going we're gonna to read that scripture. Um, I'm going to read it to you in the Amplified. This is, this is a great scripture. Heard it taught many times. Dr. Jacobs taught on confession many times, and this scripture always comes up. But Proverbs 18.21 says that death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they who indulge in it shall eat the fruit of it for death or for life. And it's got a reference of Matthew twelve thirty seven. We may read that in a little bit too. I don't know. But what a scripture. The things you partake of will either determine, you know, they'll be determined by what you choose to say. Yes. That's what determines them. If you speak life, then you're going to eat or partake of the things of life. And if you speak death, then you're going to eat or partake of the things that pertain to death. And you can make it, that's as simple as you're either going to partake of the things of God or you're going to partake of the things of the devil. It's really, it's really that simple. And it's not an easy thing to live out, but it's really that simple. And, uh the absolute most important thing to get the plan of God in your life is what you choose to say. It is going to be the decider. Brother Hagin always said that you'll never rise above your confession. You're not going to get any further into things of life than you can say it. Your, your confession will limit how far you get into things of, of, of life. It'll limit how far you get into the plan of God, this plan of peace, this plan of favor, this plan of love, this plan of hope and a future. What you say is so important, so important. And, uh, you know, when we got saved, all of us, we talked just like the people we hung around with, whoever they were. You know, whatever you were doing at the time, some people lived a lot different than other people, some better, some worse. But whoever you were hanging around, whatever their manner of speech was, was the manner of speech that you had. Your parents had a great influence on all that, how you grew up, different mentors, teachers, coaches, different people. There's some coaches that just cuss like a sailor. You get around them, and you'll cuss like they do, you know. And uh, it's so important to realize that, that when you get saved, you're, you're... you know, you're born again, you get made alive spiritually, but your confession's jacked. Yeah. Pretty much everybody has a wrong confession, and you gotta, you got to go to work on it. I really didn't aim for this to come out to sound that strong. I had no idea it would. But it's so important. It's so important. <laughs> you know, the worse that they talked, the worse you talked, and the more you had to change the more you had, <laughs> the further down it was, the more you had to work on it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I'm not just talking about four-letter words, okay? Mm-hmm. I, I, was, I was very proficient in that, too. I, I, I worked on that for years. And, and it's funny because, you know, you get angry enough, mm-hmm. even after being saved for years, mm-hmm. and things will come out. Why is that? Well, it's, it's in there. You put it in there. Mm-hmm. And uh, you got to work on flushing it out. And you can. You can work on flushing it out. Flush it out of your system so it's not in there. So then when you get under pressure, you say something that makes sense. (laughs) You ever? (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. Have you ever heard the little black recorders of the airplanes, you know, when the jets are going down? They curse God. Almost every time. Use the Lord's name in vain and curse God. Why? The Fear of death. They, they, they know they're going to die and all that fear. Just... Yeah, it's it's like wow. The words that come out when you're under pressure, see. You know, you got to learn not to talk the things of the devil's camp. You got to learn not to talk the thing and what is the, what is the devil's camp? I like thinking John 10:10 10, 10 in the great divider, the great separator verse. And it says the thieves come only, but to steal, kill, and destroy. So those words, those words of, it says kill, those words of death, and destruction. Those are his words. Fear, doubt, sickness, failure, poverty, lack. Those are all the devil's camps. That's all that choosing of death. When you choose to speak those things, you're choosing death. Oh my. That gets serious, doesn't it? And that gets very real when you think about that. That you're choosing those things of death. And, uh, you know, we shouldn't speak anything that's contrary to the word of God. You know, you have you have what you call for, what it boils down to. You have what you call for. I remember when I first got into the church, there was this phrase and... and People use it all the time. I'm pretty sure that Charles Capps come up with it. He says, don't call the cat when you want the dog, or don't call the dog when you want the cat. I can't remember which way he said it. But that really marked me out because the way I grew up. Now, we really didn't grow up on a farm. We had a barn on our our home place there, and and we rented property. We had horses, and and we rented property for them. But, um, you know, you always keep some cats around the barn to keep the mice down. When you, when you, in time you got livestock, you got ground up grain, well, the mice like to come, so you keep cats. And uh, I worked on my uncle's farm, he was a hog farmer. I worked on the uncle on my dad's family, and he had a dairy farm. And then I spent a whole summer working on another dairy farm. So I, I grew up on farms and hanging out on farms. And uh, everywhere I went, they had at least 15 or 20 cats. But we had 15 cats most of the time, you know. And they always had two or three dogs. So this is just such a clear picture for me that you could walk out on the porch and go, kitty, 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 kitty. You know, and the dogs don't come. (laughs) See, I mean, it's just so clear to me. The dogs don't come. The cats come. They come out of this tree and out from (laughs) under that shed. and over. They come from everywhere. You know, when you start calling them, they start coming. And, uh, you know, that really helped me to see it that what I call for is what's coming. If you don't want sickness and disease, and you don't want poverty, you don't want lack, you don't want fear, don't call for it. Don't, call, don't talk it. Don't speak it. Yeah. Everybody's saying yes, so I guess it's making sense. Praise God. Yes. Exactly. And you don't know, it's so easy to slip back under that, and the devil's so deceptive to get you to say things, you know. Like say when you turn 60, and next thing you know, you're saying something about getting older. That's right. Mm. How do he slip that in on you? How do he get you to do that? You'll say something, and and my my children are they're not really confession police, but they help me. Okay, they really do. (laughs) And uh, nobody likes the confession police, but but they do. They help me out. They help me a lot. And they say, Dad, did you hear what you just said? Dad, do you know what you just spoke over your grandson? the most precious thing to me on the whole earth right now. And I said something negative, you know? Yeah, I was so so disappointed in myself. Oh, God, I'm sorry. Told my child I was sorry, and grabbed my grandson and said I was sorry. Because that's not what I want for their future at all. God's got a great future planned out for them. Future full of hope, full of peace. It's a good future. It's a good plan. Praise God! See, and it it'll, the better you can call for it, the better you speak. Better it's going to be. Better it's going to be. I'm wondering how far along I could be if I'd have got a hold of this earlier. I mean, I did start getting a hold of it a long time. I mean, I heard that thing about the dog and the cat, probably eighty six or seven, way back there. You know. And I've been working on me ever since. But, I, you know, I should have gave it more attention. Mm-hmm. I should have, should have been further along than what I am. I'm still working on me. Praise God. Yeah. Hallelujah. But your confession determines your future yeah. Yeah. so much. Choose life. And life and death are in the power of the tongue. Yeah. Let me read it to you in the, the New King James. It says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. I looked up the word power in the Hebrew. You know what it means? Anybody know? It kind of does, but it means hand. Hand. You ever heard anybody say, it's in your hands now? What's that mean? Authority. It's in your authority now. It's in your authority now. I think about basketball. You know, there's always a Michael Jordan or a Kobe Bryant or Seth Curry or LeBron. There's always somebody you want the ball in their hands, you know. Well, the ball's in your hands. The ball's in your hands. The authority to choose life and death is in your tongue. It's up under your power. You know, we use that like a figure of speech. You know, it's in your hands now. It's in your hands now. Well, it is. It is. think about that. You have the power to make these choices and what you decide is what will be. What you decide is what will be. You know, John 1, it says, uh, it says, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. So, you cannot separate God from His Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. Can't separate God from His Word. Can't separate you from yours. You can't. You can't separate you from your Word. Why? Because the authority that you have comes out in those words. It comes out in those words. Um, You know, I talk a lot about making choices, but you know, you cannot choose to get out from under the authority of your words. That's a choice you can't make. It's already set. Isn't that what God said? I've set before you He He said it. I set before you life and death. You choose. You choose. You choose. You can't get out from under the authority of living by your words. You cannot be separated from your words. God can't be separated from His. I, I was listening to Brother Copeland one time, and he was, I gotta make sure I can say this correctly, but he would just come back from a meeting. Him and Gloria were talking, and Gloria says, I'm going on to bed. You know, I'm tired. If you ever seen how his meetings are, you'd be tired too. And uh, they go all day, day after day after day. But she went to bed, he's all wound up from preaching. And he said, I'm going to sit here for a minute and, and wind down, you know. And then uh, he went in to go to bed, and he didn't know that Glory had bought this, I don't know what you call it, whatever it is, foot footlocker-looking thing that you set at the end of a bed. And I don't know. There's probably a great term for it that I don't know. Pardon me? Well, that kind of thing, yeah. That's, that's the vision I got is, is a chest-looking. He didn't know she'd put that there. He walks in in the dark. You're not wanting to wake her up, and he's not going to flip the light on and hits it with his toe, heard it crack, knew good and well he'd broke it, all kind of pain, you know, and he's confessing the word, you know, hopping around, trying to be quiet, you know, you can get a good visual of it, and he's saying, oh, by the stripes of Jesus, I'm healed, and he goes to bed, and he, and devil tells him, you know, you're not going to go to sleep, and he rebukes the devil, and he confesses the word, and he drifts off to sleep, he said, oh, my, eyes the next day, and the devil tells me, check your toe. You know, he said, no, I'm not going to check my toe. I'm healed in Jesus' name, you know. So he gets up, and he's hobbling. His wife notices it, and she's asking what happened, and he he tells her what happened. And uh, she prays with him, agrees with him that he's healed. And he goes off that day. I think he ends up at the airport. He's looking at buying an airplane. And uh, the lady asks him, well, why are you limping? What, and he tells her the story. But he says, I'm... <laughs> And he starts giving her the word, you know, I'm healed by streets. And she said, she took off. She, she wasn't interested in her. But he's doing his best to keep his confession, even though he's having to tell the lady, you know, I stubbed my toe last night. But this is what I believe. And he's trying to keep, get, keep his confession over here in this positive side of things. He went in and talked to the guy about the airplane. He come in, he stepped down off the curb, no pain. God healed his toe. And he said it was absolutely broke. It was black and blue, nasty, you know. But God healed it, no pain. Restored it. And then he said this What if I'd have said when my toe hit that thing, D A M N, that hurt? What if I'd have said that? And I thought, yeah. And then he capped it off. He said, if, what, what if God would have stepped up and said, D A M N, it's dark? Doesn't that help you see it? It'd still be dark. Believe me, if God says it, see it, it's still been dark. But he said, no, light be, and then there was light. Man, that helped me see it. So important. Keep your confession. To keep your confession right. You can't get out from under the authority of your words. You don't have a choice to say, I'm not going to live by that. You are going to live by that. The power of life and death that you choose by is in your tongue. It's in your tongue. Jesus said in Matthew twelve thirty seven, "For by your words you will be justified, and by your word you will be condemned. Justified is acquitted; condemned is sentenced. For by I mean, so Jesus said it too. There's no getting out of that." For by your words, you're going to be justified, acquitted, or you're going to be condemned or sentenced. Your words. So God's words have authority, and your words have authority. And your choice, the kind of words that you speak, is what you put yourself up under. Either words of life or words of death. Now, the cool thing is, the great thing is, you don't have to figure out what to say. You don't. You don't have to figure it out. John 6, says, "Is this? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. So you don't want to speak death words. You want to speak life words, and where are you going to find them? You're going to find them in what God says. That's what Jesus said. The word is that I speak their spirit and their life. You just choose to speak his words. So, you know, I mean, just to, just to, I'm going to have to finish it up here, so I'm just going to give you just a couple of scriptures. In, instead of lack, say Philippians 4.19, yes. that my God supplies all my need. Instead of claiming sickness, say, by whose stripes I'm healed. See, I mean, he already tells you what to say. Instead of confessing weakness, this is one of my all-time favorites. 1 John 4, 4 said, you are of God, little children, have overcome them, because greater is he that, that is in you than he that is in the world. I've changed my life with that one scripture. I'm telling you, when I got the revelation of that, things went different for me at work. I was able to bring something and pass with my confession of what I believed about the greater one being on the inside. You know, the self-help people tell you, you know, to calm yourself down and say, I can do this if I just take little bits at a time. I can, you know, And it, 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 it's right. They're tapping into that spirit of life. They're tapping into that authority. They're telling you that it works that way. But I like saying it this way. Praise God, greater is he that is in me and he that's in the world. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. took me years to figure out I needed to do that at work, but it's working for me. I sat right over there in a chair, and I mean Pastor Johnny preached a sermon. He walked over there probably 15 times and told me I needed to use the angels in my place of work. I couldn't even figure out how to do it. I'd sit up under Dr. Jacobs and been taught about angels all those years. And I couldn't figure out how to do it. And finally, it started clicking. The angels of God are here to help you. And they help you at work just like they help you at church. Yeah. Praise be to God. Their ministers set forth to help those that are the heirs of salvation. And they'll help you. Yeah. Praise God. And that's, what my, uh, that's what my offering sermon is going to be about, about the angels. Praise God. and How they help you with money. Yeah. Didn't know that. I got it all from Dr. Jacobs. But praise God, they do. Hallelujah, your angels are out there willing to help you. Praise God. What kind of words are you putting out there for your angels to work with? You've said under Dr. Jacobs all the years, isn't that exactly what he's taught us? It's your words that activate those angels, words of faith. He says you got to speak the word of God to get your angels to work for you. Hallelujah, speaking, speaking those words of life. And then the angels get involved. You talk fear, doubt, and unbelief, and they stand there. Can't help this guy. Wow, think about that. You know, all the supernatural things that happen on the planet, you know, I mean, God's in heaven. He sent the Holy Ghost back here. we got the Word of God here. we got the angels of God here. we got the force of faith. But how do those supernatural things happen? What intermingles in between this natural realm and that supernatural realm? You think about it, God. but I think it's those angels. I think Jesus walked on water. I think the angels was there. I do. I think you got, and the more you'll talk, right, the more those angels can help you. This thing think about Peter going getting the coin out of that fish's mouth. That's some interesting stuff, isn't it? Jesus perceiving on the inside this conversation he had with the tax collector. It was a temple tax, and I looked all that up. Uh, it was a tax, it was voluntary. You didn't have to pay it. So they asked Peter, hey, hey, does Jesus pay the tip? They wanted to know if Jesus is going to pay that tax. And he told Peter, you know, well, he said, really, the sons are free. I don't have to pay it. I'm free. But he said, rather than offend somebody, you go down there to the sea, throw in a hook, catch a fish. The first one you catch is going to have a coin in its mouth. That coin's going to be, and I studied all the different sizes of coins, on. but that coin is big enough to pay the amount of tax for two people. How does all that happen? <laughs> of all the fish in the well, to start with, how did the fish get a coin in its mouth? <laughs> now, you know, back in, back in my day, a beverage can had a pull tab, and you pulled it. Now you, you click it, and it stays inside, but it used to be the whole thing pulled off. And we used to be out fishing, you'd flick them in the water, and a fish sometimes would hit it because it had that flash, and, and some bait fish they even call them silver sides because they flash in the sun. And a fish may hit it, but he don't hang on to it. I mean, somebody could have lost a gold coin out of their pocket and a fish grabbed it, but he wouldn't have hung on to it. How did that fish end up with that gold coin in his mouth? Jesus told him the first one, of all the fish in the sea where he threw that hook in, how did the first one he catch happen? I don't know how all that works. And I can't tell you, the Bible doesn't say an angel makes that happen, but they almost had to be involved. They're involved in everything in your life. All these supernatural things that you're believing to happen, healings, money coming, debts being reduced, the angels of God are involved in these things. Yeah. That's what faith does. Faith releases those angels your words release those angels if you put words I mean it's what dr. Jacobs taught all these put your words put your words around the word of God and the angels will get activated yes. the supernatural can get if you don't talk it you can't have it come on if you can't talk it if you you know it's just that simple hallelujah so instead of claiming fear, say, for God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound. Well, you've got to confess over your mind, I'm telling you. Don't be making confessions of fear. Right. I know sometimes you've got some things you're not as comfortable with as you are other things, but don't confess it. Don't keep saying it and saying it. What do you do when you do that? You're undergirding the power of it. You're, you're giving it authority with your own tongue. You're reinforcing its strength that it has on you. That's what Dr. Hannibal said, wasn't it? You end up being, you either like isolated, like being in a, in, in, in a uh, uh, fortress with like a moat around it and nothing can get in. See, that's what, you, that's what you do with those words. You keep confessing fear, and the word of God can't even get to you. Or it's like being on the outside trying to get in. And you don't have what it takes to get in because you keep confessing you're afraid. Don't confess your fear. Instead of, instead of doubt, confess you believe. But without faith, it's impossible to believe him who comes to God. You must believe that he is and believe that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Man, confess you're a believer. Confess you're a believer. Praise be to God. Well, I need to finish up, but I'm just, I'm just going to give you one more. Instead of failure, confess that love never fails. Love never fails. Don't confess you're a failure. I know the thoughts that I have toward you thoughts of peace. God loves you. God loves you, see. And if you stay over in the love of God, you won't fail. You can have great victory. Handle it well, I think I'm finished. Praise be to God. Well, Father, we thank you for the word today. Praise be to God. What a, what a privilege to come to church and have it explained to us how this works. Yes. That life and death's in the power of the tongue, that life and death's out there every day, and we choose. And Father, we choose life today, we choose your word today. Huh. Yeah, we're born again people, we, we've chosen Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and life. We've cho- chosen His life. We've chosen the God kind of life. And we believe that we're going to ramp up our confessions to speak words of life. We believe for the Holy Ghost to help us, to help us not to say things that are death-oriented, not to, not to get s- deceived slowly and subtly by the devil, to speak things that we don't want to see come to pass. Help us, Holy Ghost. We pray, Spirit of God, help us to speak life, speak only the things of life over our future, over our children, and over our grandchildren, over our church, over Dr. Jacobs and ministries that we're familiar with and surrounded by and love, Father. Help us to speak right words over all these things. And we just thank you for it, Father. And just bless you today and praise you and just pray over the people as they go and just believe they're blessed In the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah.